Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Let me start off by saying... The Common Council, Milwaukee Common Council, has approved a settlement. $750,000 will be paid to Sterling Brown and his attorneys as part of a settlement about an incident that happened in January of 2018. My take on this, I hate like you know what to see one dime go to Sterling Brown for a variety of reasons. That said... I think it's the right thing to do. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let me explain. Well, Jeff, what do you mean? You say you hate to see this guy get a dime, and yet you think it's the right thing to do? Well, yes and yes. Now, Sterling Brown, of course, as we talked about late last week, he, he's he's back in the news. He doesn't play for the Bucks anymore. He was the Bucks player who now plays for the Houston Rockets, the worst team in the NBA. At the time this incident happened, the, the final Jeopardy answer was 15 and 44, and the question was, what is the record of the Houston Rockets? He plays for the Houston Rockets. So what happened is about a week ago, Houston is traveling to Miami for a game on a Monday night, I think is what it was. And what happens is he and some of his teammates get into Miami and for, for, forgetting about all the different COVID protocols that the NBA has and all, these guys get out and they go out to a strip joint appropriately called the Booby Trap on the River in Miami. Just love that name. The Booby Trap on the River. Um, it's a 24-hour strip joint in South Florida. Bottles of Ace of Spaces champagne, 1000 bucks. Magnum bottles of Don Julio 1942 for 1942 bucks, And bottles of Hennessy for $3,600. As an aside, one of God's way of telling you that you have too much money is if you can afford to spend $1,942 for a bottle of Don Julio 1942. So anyhow. All right, so Sterling Brown, who was, by the way, I think he was injured. He hasn't been playing since early April. He and a couple of his Houston Rockets buddies and whatever, they, they pile into a, a van and they head over to this strip joint. And, of course, the NBA has all these protocols about COVID. You know, whenever you watch the NBA games, the coaches have their masks up and things like that. And we've got limited people in, in attendance because, well, we want to make sure we protect the players. Well, I, I doubt there was too much mask wearing or at least mask wearing to prevent the pet trans- transmission of disease going on at the booby trap um, on the river in Miami. So anyhow... You know, they're, they're there. It's 6.30 in the morning. Now, Wagner's rule of life number five is nothing good happens outside a strip club at 2 in the morning, which is true. I, I, what, what possible good could happen outside a strip club at 6.30 in the morning? But anyhow, what happens is Brown and some of his buddies, uh, they're, they're leaving the strip club at 6.30 in the morning, and it's still a little bit unclear. He gets into the wrong van and gets into a, a fight with people that are in this, this other van, and somebody, like, conks him over the head with a broken beer bottle. And apparently it's then the police show up, and at least according to some of the initial reports, he doesn't want to cooperate with the police. 
but he's taken to the hospital and and apparently there's a very serious injury so he's very lucky that this did not have a even more adverse consequences but I, i'm sitting there watching it thinking okay the houston rockets have the worst record in the nba you blow into town and the first thing that a couple of your players do is they decide to we're going to the all-night strip club and then we're going to end up getting in a fight a- afterwards regardless of who the who you know started the fight so that that, that is that is sterling brown well, Sterling Brown, as you will recall, was involved in a late night incident in January, late January of 2018. And the facts are, are pretty much, you know, undisputed. What happened is um, Brown, in the company of, of a woman, is parked outside a 24 hour Walgreens on West National Avenue and South 26th Street around 2 o'clock in the morning. And his car is parked a couple across a couple disabled parking spaces. This is a 24-hour drugstore. And th- these these stores are the subject of, of robberies and things like that. I mean, you know, because, first of all, there's drugs in them. Secondly, there's money in them. Thirdly, they're open. So the, the police do, you know, welfare checks. They, they, they're they really aware of where these 24-hour drugstores are, and they try to watch them. So a police officer comes up, sees Brown's car illegally parked in front of this 24-hour um, Walgreens, and then starts asking questions. Instead of just giving him a citation, the, the situation quickly escalates and and there there's a, a video of this um what what happens is the officer you know stops to question him about why he's parked like this brown initially gives his name shows the identification card the officer didn't recognize him as a player with the bucks the officer calls for assistance and then all of a sudden you've got half a dozen squad cars that are, that are showing up eight officers end up on the scene this is for a guy who's illegally parked outside of a, of a 24-hour drugstore and as extra cops show up there, there's no question that the situation gets more tense you've got police circling uh, brown they're they're using profane language at him it, it's it's a mishandled situation from the perspective of of the police at one point in time, you know, they, they pull out a taser and, and they, they, they taser Sterling Brown, the officer who first uh, confronted him. You know, it's very, you know, it's, I think it's fair to say he's antagonistic towards him. This was not handled well by by the police. And then, you know, when, when he says he's a player for the Bucks, then they, they start mocking him. After that, um, one of the officers who was involved in the arrest decides to, you know, go on on Facebook and post stuff on Facebook saying, nice meeting Sterling Brown of the Milwaukee Bucks at work this morning. Laugh out loud. Hashtag fear the deer. Eh, So it's it's one of these things that that looks bad and candidly, in my opinion, was handled very, very poorly by the Milwaukee Police Department. There's just no question about that. This was a deal where you didn't need eight officers. You didn't need supervisors on the scene. It was something that escalated. Now, now the question becomes seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And um, uh, an admission that you know, we, we, we need to we need to change some of our policies. All right now, here's here's where I accept and understand that some of you might disagree with me. Here, here's the problem with this: if in today's climate you did not settle this case under these circumstances, I think it is quite likely that a jury, particularly a jury in Milwaukee, 
would have awarded issued a damage award a lot greater than $750,000. I hate to see Sterling Brown get a dollar. I got to tell you that because I I think there's stuff going on with him and this example of like being out at the strip joint two years later kind of says some stuff. But nevertheless, I think he was mistreated that night. It was handled badly by members of the police department. And then the stuff afterwards made it even worse. If this case would have gone to a jury, I think it is quite likely that you would have seen a verdict a lot greater than this because they just didn't handle it properly, which is why it's why it is so important for police to behave in a professional fashion at all times. All right, let's tee this up. 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It, like I say, it pains me to think that Sterling Brown and his attorneys are going to get $750,000 out of this. But if they didn't settle, I think the likely outcome would have been a lot worse. What do you think? 855-616-1620. And to me, this is an object lesson about how police need to be professional at all times. And I'm pro-cop. I'm as pro-police officer as they come. But in this particular situation, I I think this was badly handled. You've got a guy who's illegally parked. He's not armed. You've got eight police officers, and then some of them are mocking him. They tase him. This, This was... It was not handled properly, and as a result of it, the taxpayers are going to have to pay. 855-616-1620, we discuss in a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I the, the Sterling Brown case, to me, demonstrates what happens when police do not behave in a completely professional fashion. And and it pains me to say that, but I've been all, all along. You, you look at this video that the guy is illegally parked outside of the 24-hour Walgreens at 2 o'clock in the morning. Okay, fine. You come across him. You give him a ticket. This escalated. you got eight police officers on the scene, including supervisors. Somebody pulls out a taser because he's got his hands in his pocket. They, they tase him. Afterwards, you've got at least one police officer going on the Facebook to, to mock him, you know, once they find out he's a professional basketball player. Th- this case screamed huge settlement. It, it just did under all these facts and circumstances, which is why which is why the police have to be extremely careful and they have to be professional. And I don't think it happened in this particular situation. And it pains me to see $750,000 in taxpayer money going to Sterling Brown and his attorney. But at the same time, if this case had gone to trial, I think a jury verdict could have been a lot, lot more. So that's what you're left with. 855-616-1620. Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hi, good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Mike. Uh, I agree I agree wholeheartedly with you. I hate to see Sterling Brown get anything out of this, but uh, the 750000 Milwaukee got off cheap because it would be in the millions if it went to trial, and I hope his attorneys get more than 50% for getting us off cheaper. Um, well, I, you know, it, it's, I mean, thanks, I mean, I don't know, I don't know in today's climate what happened, and 
Uh, you, you, of course, uh, again, you, you've got all the the overtones with regard to racism stuff that are, are there where you have the encounter with the cop who's white and Sterling Brown is, of course, black. And, and, you know, you've got all those things that play in. It does strike me that this this escalated and it escalated quickly. And police need to be aware that part of their role when they come into contact with people, regardless of whether they're a basketball player for the Milwaukee Bucks or they're a a talk show host who lives, you know, outside of the city or wherever, part of the role is not to escalate. They've got to be aware that that the goal is to de-escalate. And it's very clear from listening to the films, seeing the listening to the the tape recordings and looking at the you know the the cameras and stuff that were there that the police did a lousy job of de-escalating a situation and i'm not suggesting that sterling brown is is blameless in this entire thing but clearly this escalated quickly it shouldn't have escalated that quickly and as a result of that I think he's he's entitled to this sort of stuff. Now, I'm not sure that he's the angel that he's being portrayed and has been portrayed over the last couple of years, but that doesn't make any difference. If the police handle this proper in, properly, it, it never gets to this stage. He doesn't get tased. He gets a ticket for illegal parking. He gets sent on his way, and you don't have officers being disciplined, and you don't have a $750,000 settlement. So that's the cautionary tale, I think, that comes out of this. Rain in Milwaukee. Rain, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for Hi. taking my call. I have a different perspective on on what everything that went down. Uh, that 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 location, 24th and 26th and National, some of the most dangerous areas of the city. Sure. Uh, the police had to put a mobile command center in the McDonald's there a few years ago because so many people were dying of overdoses. I watched that video. I I saw him approach that officer. You know acting as if, you know, he wasn't doing anything wrong. I mean, any human being, like, it's, it's a human issue, right? Like, I don't understand how anybody can see this happen and not understand that that officer is a human being, too, and that, you know, you're a citizen, yeah, and you should be treated with respect, but if you're not going to treat that officer with respect, when you're committing a crime, I don't see how you're going to have anything but you got what you deserve. I mean, like, well, well, you, I, you say I, he was committing a crime. He he was he was illegally. I mean, he was illegally parked. You know, across two spaces. I mean, that, that's not. It's not exactly like he was breaking into the the Walgreens or anything. I mean, I, well, I get the why they. Of that other human being, that yeah. police officer. What is he doing? And I mean, he he executed restraint when he approached Brown. First of all, he did. And then what did Brown do? He's like, oh man, you know, get off my case. Like, I'm not doing anything. I was just here for a second. You know, I'm just well, I'm just breaking the law for a little bit. Doesn't matter. Well, yeah, it but, matter. but 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 it's okay. Well, thanks for calling. I guess it's look. Police are supposed to de-escalate these things. And if I guess I look at this and say, if they would have just, if instead of copying an attitude, okay, and, and even for the sake of argument, let's say Sterling Brown is copping a bit of an attitude. Okay, fine. Once you quickly determine that the guy's not breaking into the store, that that what you've got is a parking citation you give him the parking citation and you send him on his way and i i will i mean eight cops i mean that that's i'm just telling you from the perspective of somebody who you know had, had you know, was involved in more than their share of various trials. And when, when you look at the optics of this, you've got one guy who is admittedly unarmed. He is, 
he, he, you've, next thing you know, you've got eight police officers that are there. He's being yelled at by the police. Why do you need eight police officers on the scene for some guy that's parked illegally? And then afterwards, I mean, you've got one of the police officers who, like I say, takes to his, his Facebook page and starts mocking him. Nice meeting Sterling Brown of the Milwaukee Bucks at work this morning. Laugh out loud. Hashtag fear the deer. No, the police made this situation worse. And like I say, from the perspective of the taxpayer, $750,000 a ton of money. Think of all the things that you could do in Milwaukee, you know, for with $750,000 to benefit people's interest. But my only point is, if you hadn't have settled this, I think it would have been a lot, lot worse. And so I, I'm not going to rip on the city attorney's office. Now, I know, I don't know if we've been reporting this, but I know the Milwaukee police union has filed uh, an ethics complaint about the city attorney. I've got a copy of it sitting here, and, it's, I, and I know that they filed it, and they're, they've got issues with the way this matter was handled and stuff. I, I don't take any position on any of that. I'm just saying that if this case had gone to trial, I think there is a great probability or at least a significant possibility that the verdict ultimately would have been a lot more. So for people who want to whip up on the city attorney's office for proposing the settlement or the common council for signing off on it, I think you got to cut them some slack. They were in a bad situation here because of all this various contact. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. I've got I've got a link to this story and including some of the pictures on Saturday out in downtown Madison. They had what they call the Mifflin Street Block Party, and this is an annual event that was canceled last year because of COVID. But what it is essentially is you have thousands of people that pile into a, a small area in a neighborhood and have drunken revelry. There's just no other way to describe it. My producer, Gru, is nodding his head. That is a fair discussion, a fair description of the Mifflin Street Block Party. Okay, so this year they, they have it. Now, there's a number of people who live on these streets, and a couple of them over the weekend made the, I, I guess, poor decision not to remove their cars from the street. They, they, they live on these blocks, and so they've got their cars that are parked on the street. In one case, one is a Toyota Highlander. Another case, there's a Toyota Camry. And if you follow me on Twitter, again, at Jeff Wagner 620 you, you can see the, the pictures of what happens. For the, the Toyota Highlander, like the SUV, apparently what happens is a, a number of, of people decide that we're going to destroy this car. It's just because it's parked on the street. So you have people that are trying to turn it over. The pictures I'm looking at show about, well, half a dozen people standing on the roof, a few more standing on the bumper. And there's there's one guy with a beer can in his hand who is kicking in the windshield of the car. He's kicking in the windshield of the car, and there's all these people that are gathered around. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of people, and they appear to be at least cheering them on. Yeah, yeah, let's destroy the car. There's another story that appears in the Madison papers today, that the Toyota Camry. Apparently what happened is somebody takes a fence post and and rams it through the windshield of the car. I mean, I'm looking at a picture of this. Fence post through the car, and once again you have a number of people who are dancing on the top of the car. All right, so 
I guess, shame on the, these people for, like, leaving the cars out on a public street. And then you've got the mob, which is just, you know, just engaging in completely, totally wanton, senseless vandalism. All right. Well, here's the other interesting aspect of the story. There are cops there. There, there are police officers. Now, admittedly, there's nowhere near as many police officers. But if, if you look at, at some of the, the pictures, for example, the picture of the guy who's standing on the, the car kicking in the windshield, there are, you can see in the background, there's a handful, there's like three or four police officers that are in the background. Now, I don't know if they're necessarily, you can't tell if they're looking at the guy standing on the car, but it's not too hard to look over and see that there's, there's all sorts of people standing on, on these vehicles. And in this case, kicking the windshield of this, which, which raises the issue I, I raised in what is now becoming kind of a controversial uh, twi- tweet. All right. Here, first of all, my question is for the defund the police crowd, which is, do we really want cops standing by and simply watching while stuff like this goes on? Which I think is a fair question to ask in Madison, where you have a lot of people, including elected officials, who view the police as an occupying force. Right. So this is terrible. Well, do we we want this to happen? Do we want people to just jump up on cars and kick in windshields and turn things over and just, again, engage in in the name of a party? We're just going to have a riot because that's one question. But the other question is one for the Madison police. Why did they do nothing while stuff like this goes on? I mean, if the police are on the scene, isn't their job to try to. I don't go in and hey, get off that car, stop kicking in the car, etc. I mean, don't they have some obligation to try to stop this? Now, I posted it and a couple people were saying, well, no. I mean, the, the police were outnumbered. If they went in and they tried to make some arrests or, or stop the destruction of this, the crowd would have turned on them. All right, our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, for, for the defund the police crowd, you can't have it both ways. You can't say, well, the police are an occupying force. I don't want them around. But then when you need the cops, you, you, you want them to show up. All right, that's number one. But number two is that if the police are going to be present on these scenes, don't we expect them to kind of do their job. And I know if, I guess, if, if that were if that were my vehicle and I, I'm sitting there and I'm watching the mob just destroy the thing, you know, treat it like my car is in a demolition derby, and there's all sorts of cops that are present, even though they're admittedly outnumbered, my response is going to be, why don't you make some arrests? Why don't you stop this? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Would it be unreasonable to expect the police to intervene in a situation like this? And my answer would be, no, it's not unreasonable. That, that, that's what you're there for. And if you've got something that is getting completely out of control with all sorts of pop property destruction, etc., don't you have to, to move in and stop it? Whether it's a riot in Kenosha at the end of a social justice protest or whether it's widespread destruction invoked by in many cases perhaps college kids you know on a nice saturday in madison 855-616-1620 that's the accident mortgage talk and text line i, I think I think in, in both cases, you expect the police to move in. And if they've got to call back up and they've got to call people, then, then, then you do it. But can you just let mobs engage in this kind of property destruction? And I understand throwing a fence post through somebody's windshield and destroying a couple cars is different than $30 million in damage in Kenosha last August. But isn't the principle the same? 855-616-1620, we discuss in a moment.
Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Mike in Madison. Mike, your neck of the woods. Good afternoon. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you're saying. Uh, it is sad what's going on. But honestly, we got to go back to summer and look what I think the mayor told them to do then, which was to stand down from rioting, looting. And I, I, I would love if a knowledgeable law enforcement person called in, but my sense is that they don't feel like they have a choice when it comes to this, so they just stand down. And it's sad. I mean, a lot of businesses are leaving Madison because of this message, and this is just another message for Madison businesses to you know, could not have confidence in protection of the property. Well, well, yeah, I see. You're you're exactly right, and that's why it's it's you, you. In some respects, you kind of reap what you sow because the attitude was, all right. Let's. You're exactly right. Last summer, let's not get involved. We don't want to. We don't want to aggravate the situation. We don't want to escalate the situation. So we we stand by and let statues be destroyed and and just let all, all this stuff go on. And this is just kind of the flip side of it. And at some point in time, you wonder. Is that really the type of community that people want to live in where you're going to let the mob, whether, like I say, they're out of control, rioters, you know, as a result of following a social justice protest, or whether they're, you know, out of control, drunken punks, you know, on on a Saturday afternoon? And my answer would be no. I don't want to live in that community. I want the cops to stop it. Yeah, and anecdotally, to be clear, most, most good people do not want this. You know, Madison residents don't want this, but. They, I think they just feel tied, you know, too, because what are they going to do? What are they going to say? Right. You know, I, I, you, you know, I, it is just very tragic and upsetting. I hope, I hope some tide shifts here soon because it's just not okay. Right. No, th- you're, you're right. It's not. And I, I understand from the police perspective, it's kind of like, all right, there's a handful of us there. We, we've got to wade through a crowd of like, we, we got to, we got to move 50 drunks out of the way to get to the people that are destroying the car. And assuming they're, they're still there, then we got to figure out a way to get them off the car and then we've got to arrest them or, or whatever. And, you know, by that time that the crowd is, it's going to be like a thousand angry people that are surrounding us and there's four of us. And, you know, if we have to use force, we're going to have to escalate this. So, I mean, I understand the situation the police are in, but do we really want to and and this is again it's what you reap what you sow when you say to the police stand down don't get involved don't escalate this stuff you now allow mobs to go out and create uncharted vandalism jeff my daughter lives here on mifflin and witnessed the event you're describing seeing the police doing nothing their way to handle the situation was to enforce noise control of music from all the houses in the area could they have intentionally let it get out of hand so the event is permanently shut down um well i mean i think that's that's an interesting question about that. Jeff, maybe the citizens of Madison are getting what they asked for. No police action. Sad how drunken fools destroyed property. Hopefully through photos and videos, people will be arrested. You know, maybe, maybe. Um, you know, Jeff, if the cops aren't going to stop things like this, what are they there for? Well, that is the rhetorical question that, that's out there. And, and if the idea is that they're so outnumbered that they can't, well, okay, that raises some questions as as well. Um, Jeff, the police were too outnumbered. Here's a text. The police were too outnumbered to handle this safely. In the future, they need to be better prepared for this type of chaos at this event or eventually stop having this drunken 
block party if the college kids can't be more adult uh, about it. Jeff, I lived on Mifflin Street in the 90s as a poor student, no car, just a bike. This is a notoriously raucous event, and police presence is absolutely needed, especially in these times. I am candidly surprised that it wasn't shut down, you know, years, years ago. Um, Jeff, the way the police officer, Joseph Mensa was treated in Wauwatosa, you think that any police officer is going to stick their neck out, presumably to, to get a couple of kids, you know, off a car where they're destroying the car? Zach and uh, Waukesha, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, you know, I've been to, I've been to this, this party uh, plenty of times. You know, it's been almost a decade since the last time I, I've been there. And, you know... It's been and it's been going on since my dad was. It's been going on for decades, right. and you know, it's. I have never seen the police in my years of going there ever hesitate to give a ticket. Um, the city probably makes actually a good amount of money off citations during that, um, so that's probably why it's never been, been really shut shut down. Uh, but I'm I'm shocked that no one was arrested or. Uh, given any tickets because you know it used to be part of the fun sitting on on your on someone's deck drinking beer watching someone across the street like oh he's getting a ticket and just see him you know get scooped up that was almost part of the fun, <laughs> the fun but so i'm shocked that yeah, the city didn't do anything right right and, and let this kind of destruction go on now i'm I, I think I thought I read somewhere. I'm trying to quickly look through this. I mean, uh, ahead of the event, the Madison police uh, pledged strict enforcement. It, it is kind of funny because, you know, as I'm reading the descriptions of this, what, one of the things that the media is obsessing with is that, um, you know, in, in Madison, they have this rule saying if even if you're outdoors, you're supposed to be wearing masks and stuff. And nobody is wearing masks. <laughs> now, of course, that's that's the least of the of the problems of what's going on here. But, you know, before it, the Madison police uh, pledged. What's the phrase I hear? Strict enforcement of the various rules, pledge strict enforcement of a public health order requiring people to physically distance themselves outdoors. But so far, only four citations have been issued for the event. And it has to be an all time low because it used to be my friends lived on there, you know, and for people who don't know, it's a really fun time. Again, it's a tradition. You know, it, sometimes it does get rowdy. Um, but, you know, you don't have to participate. Some houses don't. Some do. It's kind of an open round robin. Um, come into my house. Just be somewhat respectful. And, yeah, like it used to be, we'd be warned by our friends, hey, if you are traveling to a house, put your beard down. Like, it would be, you'd step on a sidewalk and you would get caught. Like, it would right. be just, and they would just, you would just see people lined up at the mobile thing getting their citations and you could just count the, you just count the money or right, 150 right. bucks or whatever the drinking citation is and this is just shocking that no one would step in and yes they were outnumbered but get, and then, uh, this will be our favorite, my final statement you know, let me say the police have always been outnumbered at this thing always for the last 20 30 40 right. years it's been going on they've always been outnumbered so that's kind of a it, it, yeah, thanks. Again, and it's, it is, again, I don't, I don't mean to mock this, but like I said, Madison, Madison being Madison, we're, we're going to have strict enforcement of the social distancing rules. Look, I, for, forget my point about all the vandalism. Just, just look at all the people in these photos that are gathered together. I, I, I and you, you can make a, a strong argument that, okay, outdoors, 
you know, that the, the whole COVID concern is overblown. Maybe some people have their vaccination, whatever. But putting that aside, there, there's absolutely no social distancing that, that's going on there. So is it that we've now given up on this? Exactly. Uh, Jeff, I know of I know the individual who owns the, the white car. Um, she set up a GoFundMe campaign due to the damages. I understand police reluctance to intervene, but the young woman uh, who now has her car totaled, she can't can't do anything. Furthermore, I know several people that were at that party. Many people were saying the police were not only not enforcing rules, but they were actually playing ping pong with the kids. I understand they want to gain community trust, but being photographed with kids standing in the background while an active crime is happening and only having four arrests for the whole weekend isn't a way to gain community trust, to which I say amen. And and that's that's kind of the, the point of this. I'm I'm the guy who thinks that the, the defund the police crowd is nuts. I mean, can you can you imagine living in a society where we, we, we don't have the police? I mean, really, that that that's just that's crazy talk. But the flip side of this is when you have a police presence, we, we expect the police to, to enforce the, the laws. And, and I'm not just talking about taking a Molotov cocktail and trying to burn down a building. I'm talking about when, when you have... This isn't an open container sort of thing, even though our last caller, Zach, was saying they would enforce that. But this is, you you got two dozen people or a dozen people standing on somebody's car, kicking in the windshield um, for, for fun, and you've got police officers standing by. I mean, if, if, if the defund the police crowd is nuts, and they are, it's also nuts to just let people do whatever it is that they want to do in the presence of police. You, you can't have it both ways. And so that's why I vigorously defend police when they intervene. And I do topics like this when they stand by the side, just almost very difficult to, um, you know, very difficult to, you know, explain how this is. Um, Jeff, is it getting to, is it getting to the point where the police choose their battles because of the simplicity of one over another? Well, well, maybe, you know, maybe that is, in fact, the case. And maybe this, it's it's a calculation that's made that, OK, well, you know, so somebody's car is being destroyed. It, it's not like we've got people with guns that are shooting each other. And it's just not worth waiting through a crowd to try to arrest the drunk who's just stomping through the, the windshield of a car. And that's kind of easy to say unless it's it's your car. And the, the story that I've got a link to on Twitter that the gal is watching this, it, it, it is her car. She's in her apartment and she's watching all these people who have now surrounded her car that's on the street and are kicking it in maybe the other issue that's out there and i've never attended this particular event but if you can't keep it under control if you can't stop the out of control hooliganism maybe it's time to say covid or not we're just not going to allow this to happen all right when we come back lots more including new rule from the cdc Joe Biden under pressure to act and Germantown schools under criticism for cult critical race theory. I will explain what that is and we will discuss. Plus, hey, there's a new lawsuit out there. I'll explain that as well. Stick around. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. We start off this hour. Exhibit A as to why people hate lawyers. Yes, why? as a recovering attorney, I, I appreciate that there are many very good, positive things that attorneys do. 
Um, and and I, I think sometimes the legal profession gets a bad rap. But sometimes people who practice law are their own worst enemies. And it is stories like this that underscore that. You might remember, oh, it was about about eight years ago. And there was this huge flap involving Subway Sub sandwiches. Subway Subs advertise, they, they foot long, that's the thing. Hey, foot long sub, Subway Subs. Well, a, a, a foot is 12 inches. And you might remember the story where there's this, this kid from Australia, his name was Matt Corby, and he posts a Facebook photo showing he just purchased a Subway foot long sandwich, but it's only 11 inches long. All right, so that leads to a bunch of lawyers who then move in and they file a class action lawsuit against Subway. Remember the story saying that Subway is defrauding all of us because we go and we, we think we're buying a foot-long thing, and, and actually it turns out not to be a foot. Now, the, the, the truth of what happens with Subway is the, the bread that they have, it, it, it all starts out at 12 inches, but what happens if you've ever, like, put things in an oven and stuff when in the baking process sometimes there can be shrinkage and so it it starts out at a foot long but but by the end of the baking process it might be 11 and a half inches but but it doesn't matter there's still as much there's still as much meat there's still as much bread just because it shrunk a little bit in the cooking process doesn't change the fact that it was a foot long in the beginning so anyhow there's this big class action lawsuit that was was filed and got all sorts of attention um, with, a lot of times with these class action lawsuits, all this is is an effort for um, lawyers to make money. And what happened was Subway agreed to settle this case for like $525,000, essentially just to make it go away, because to defend it could have easily cost more than half a million dollars. Um, what ended up happening, though, is on appeal, the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals threw out the whole thing. They, they said, look, this is, and almost all the money, five hundred grand goes to the lawyers, nobody goes to, no, almost no money goes to the people who were supposedly quote-unquote victimized, and the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals said, look, this settlement is worthless, Customers, lawyers not entitled to attorney fees, and so they, they, they throw the thing, the whole thing out. Well, is this story I'm going to tell you about now, is this Subway Footlong number two? If you follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Wagner 620, I've got, I've got a link to this story and a, a picture of the box. Gru, producing the show today and always. I know you typically eat healthy. Have you ever had Bagel Bites pizza snacks? Mm, no. Okay. Do, okay. Do, have, you ever, have you ever had like pizza rolls? Yeah, I'm familiar with what the bagel bites are. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, bagel bites, pizza snacks are they're they're, they're sort of like a, a version of pizza rolls, and, and what they are is they're like little little tiny little bagel things, and they've got some cheese on them, and they've got some like sauce mixed in, and it's frozen. And what you do is you you take them out, you put them in the microwave, or you put them in the regular oven, and they make a snack. They're they're for kids. I mean, adults can eat them too and stuff, but they're they're bagel bites. Okay, so what does bagel bites have to do with Subway footlongs? Well, well, here's the deal. The front of the Bagel Bites package, and I'm, I'm looking at this now, and again, if you follow me on Twitter, you at uh, Jeff Wagner 620, you, you can see this. Okay, so here's the deal. It, it's Bagel Bites pizza snacks. And um, let's see, the, the box I'm looking at, 72 mini bagels, 
Uh, it says may, they've got the, the cheese step made with real cheese, no artificial flavors, no high fructose, fructose corn uh, syrup, kosher dairy. And then it says mozzarella cheese. Uh, and uh, let's see. Uh, and then it's beneath it in small letters. It's got mini bagels with mozzarella cheese. All right. So here's the deal. And I've got a link to the story. Uh, a law firm out of New York has filed a lawsuit against Heinz Kraft, which is the big you know, Heinz ketchup and you know Kraft Foods. It's the company that makes the, these bagel bites. The lawsuit, which has been filed, originally it was filed in New York, and then they dropped it. They withdrew it in New York, and now they have filed it in Wisconsin, in Madison. They say that this, this box is fraud. That ba- Can you imagine that Bagel Bites Pizza Snack is trying to perpetrate fraud on, on all of us? Now, you might say, okay, Jeff, why is this, this fraud? So it, it's false, deceptive, misleading advertising. And the suit seeks class action status on behalf of anyone who bought the bites in Wisconsin seeking unspecified damages. Okay, so he, what, what is fraudulent about the, these, these frozen pizza snacks, for goodness sakes? Well, here's what the argument is. All right, first of all, it says on the package that they have, that it's, it's mozzarella cheese. Well, all right, I, I hope you're sitting down for this, but it's not all mozzarella cheese that, that's in there. And there is some mozzarella cheese. They use a, a cheese blend, um, I have no idea what that means, <laughs> but they use a cheese blend. So the lawsuit says, well, it, it, it might be made with real cheese, but it's not all mozzarella cheese. And so the fact that you say there's mozzarella cheese there, that is fraud because it's not all mozzarella, even though there is some mozzarella. And then there's a, a kind of a more confusing argument. It, it says that it contains tomato sauce, and <clears throat> the, the claim is, it will only contain tomato ingredients and seasonings instead of some thickeners. So it, it does have tomato sauce, but it uses thickeners. In, in any event, they're, they're seeking damages for this, alleging that the people have been defrauded. The reason they dropped the lawsuit in New York, I would guess, and brought it to Wisconsin is apparently the lawsuit has paragraph after paragraph of, of how significant the dairy industry is. And the argument, I think, is that maybe we in Wisconsin are going to be more sympathetic to to a claim that it says mozzarella cheese, but it's not all mozzarella cheese. Okay, let's tee this up. Just one segment, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My take on this story, Exhibit A, as to why people hate lawyers. I understand that there are a number of injustices that that go on in this world that that lawyers come forward to try to write. I, I, I get it. I understand that there are a lot of products which are put on the market which are defective and dangerous, and the, the way that you rein them in is by you know, having lawsuits that hold manufacturers accountable for bad behavior. But Bagel Bites pizza snacks that says they've got mozzarella cheese, and it turns out it's a cheese blend, including mozzarella, are you outraged? Do you want to sign on to this class action lawsuit, or is this just one of the reasons why, again, Jeff, you're with me, this is why people hate lawyers? 855-616-1620. What do you think we discuss? You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. There are heroes among us who run toward danger rather than run away from it. 
We call them first responders. WTMJ is partnering with Waterstone Bank, IndyCar Rev Group, Grand Prix at Road America, and Heiser Automotive. We're honoring police officers, firefighters, health care providers, and countless others who work every day to protect our families and our loved ones. If you know of a first responder who deserves recognition for their duties, text the word SERVICE to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line 855-616-1620 or go to WTMJ.com. The deadline for your submission is May 7th. It's the Waterstone Bank Salute to Service on WTMJ. Okay, 855-616-1620. I just, as a recovering attorney, I appreciate I appreciate that you can use and should use the law to hold corporations accountable when they engage in fraudulent practices that um, that that hurt the consumers when they produce dangerous products and things of the like. And that's why I, I always support those sort of lawsuits. And I say, look, there, there, there's a role for this. Unfortunately, what has happened is a general rule in this country is you have too many lawyers chasing too few cases. And you, you have lawsuits that are filed a lot of times under the hope that, that they will be settled for what's called nuisance value. In other words, just like what happened in the Subway lawsuit, you know, Subway's got this lawsuit that's out there, and you know, you've got this class action suit, and, and to, to defend the case is, is probably going to cost them more than half a million dollars. I know that sounds crazy, but they're, they're looking at it and saying, look, we just want this whole thing to go away, so we'll, we'll settle it, we'll pay off the class action lawyers, the lawyers get most of the money, the people who are involved in the lawsuit get almost nothing. But the problem when you do things like that is it just, it, it just encourages this sort of stuff and these sort of lawsuits. And I, I, I'm looking at this lawsuit, and to me, this is kind of, like that that subway footlong sort of lawsuit where it's okay it, it's the pizza rolls it's the mini pizza bagels and they say all right it's made with real cheese and then it says mozzarella cheese well there's mozzarella cheese in it there's other cheese in it as well jeff like the mcdonald's hot coffee lawsuit a lot of times they shock the media and then settle for substantially less um this is in many cases in my opinion it's like ambulance chasing that's what they say um jeff i can remember a time when hotel motels had diving boards at swimming pools, the lawyers ended up putting an end to that. Well, I, I mean, I can remember there's all sorts of dangerous stuff that has existed. And, you know, you have this in the automotive field. Sometimes you have, you know, companies that, that produce products and they look one way with regard. They say, OK, well, we, we can do this and we can make a bunch of money doing this. And we, and we know there's a dangerousness to it, but we're going to ignore that because it's just easier not to fix it. Well, there's a role for for legitimate lawsuits like that but things like this to me trivialize this Jeff um, I actually get a little more upset by the people that sign on to a class action lawsuit to get their two dollars and fifty cents Jeff don't forget about the Red Bull lawsuit you know Red Bull Bull says you're not getting your wings when you drink it Um, actually I know a friend of mine who got a free four-pack from it and saw the letter from the settlement some of them actually do end up winning Um, Jeff first of all um, they said made with mozzarella cheese. There's mozzarella cheese in it, yes. Secondly, they said there's tomato sauce and tomatoes with seasoning, which would be a sauce. I don't think this claim has any legs to stand on. Jeff, a couple of years ago, remember the guy tried to sue Home Depot because a 4x4 is really only 3.5 by 3.5. They have been that size for, I remember that, uh, they have been that size for more than 100 years, and anyone who knows which end of a hammer to hold knows that 
again, four by fours are, are really three and a half by three and a half. That, that, that's the thing. So, I mean, it's out there. I, I'm not going to be able to be a participant in this because even if I wanted to, I, the truth is I've never had a Bagel Bites pizza snack in my life. I have had pizza rolls, but I've never had a Bagel Bites pizza snack in my life. But if I did, there's no way I'd be signing on to a lawsuit saying I was defrauded because it turns out that there's not just mozzarella cheese in the cheese. There's other types of cheeses as well. Exhibit A as to why people hate lawyers. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Here's my favorite text of the day. Jeff, you're missing out. You need to grab a box of bagel bite pizzas. Watching golf on Sunday on the couch and some pizza bites. Life is good. Um, huh. I'm not sure how my lovely and charming bride, Fran, would feel about that. She kind of regulates what I eat. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Well, but I get it. I mean, I understand. It's, it's probably good. Maybe I'll have to try the bagel bites. And, you know, if I decide to have the bagel bites, the fact that it's not just all mozzarella cheese, not that's not going to be what stops me from, from getting them. Because the truth of the matter is, I'm pretty sure it, it's not a health food product to begin with. Hey, speaking of food, this is uh, – it, it, it's a story of, of another restaurant that's closing – and it's, in some respects, it's like, okay, well, lots of restaurants are closing. But this raises kind of the larger issue. Downtown Milwaukee, there, there's a place called the Soup House, and it's on 324 East Michigan Street. Before that, when I used to work downtown, it was before the Soup House, but there was another restaurant that was in there. But this is, the, the place has been around for like 21 years, and it, it's packed at lunchtime. I mean, you, you run in, you get your, your bowl of soup to go and things like that, and they do all these specialty stuffs. Been there for 21 years. Years, uh, the local newspaper is reporting that it, it's closing uh, this week uh, because it exists to serve the downtown clientele. I mean, that, that's that's what it is there for. And the the down, downtown is, well, I think the description is in the uh, one of the stories I was reading about it. I mean, downtown right now is a ghost town. And maybe downtown's going to come back. But I think downtown isn't coming back for a long time because – the businesses are, aren't coming back for a long time. Now, that's not saying that businesses are closing, but if you look at so many of the large employers in downtown Milwaukee, they've, they've had employees that have been working remotely for the better part of the last year. I mean, Northwestern Mutual is a classic example of that. At some point in time, my guess is that some of these companies are going to start bringing some employees back, maybe some full time, but but a lot. I think I think remote work is here to stay, and I think that are you going to see the demise of like downtown offices? No, but maybe it's a situation where you're a law firm and you had four floors in a building, and now you've determined that you really only need two or you only need one. I think that's going to be the trend, and that that's fine for the employees and it's fine for the businesses. It's bad for commercial office buildings in the downtown area, but it is disastrous. It's absolutely disastrous for all the businesses that exist to support the, the workers in the downtown offices. I mean, I remember when I was practicing law, I mean, my private practice, my law office was downtown on Water Street. When I was in the U.S. Attorney's Office, it was in the federal building, 517 East. And, and you would, at, at lunchtime, if you felt like it, you know, you, you would go out and you, you'd go to an, any one of the number of restaurants that were in the area. Sometimes, you know, there were, there were clothing stores. There were all sorts of things. You could do shopping and stuff like that. That Those stores all depended 
on that, that downtown lunch trade or the, the people going out immediately after work to the bar to get a drink or something like that. When, when you take away that critical mass of workers, what you find is there, there's not anywhere near as much reason or justification or business sense for, for these stores to stay open. And, and that's what you're seeing. And uh, the, the soup house, I know, was a very, very popular business. I know that there's people who work downtown who are, are going to be sorry to see it go. But I, I get what's going on here. And this, I think, is going to be the story moving forward for a lot longer than people want to consider. It's just the idea that it's going to be a long time before the, these urban areas come back because remote working good or bad, I think is with us for the foreseeable future. So, I, I mean, if I were if I ran a, a restaurant that primarily depended on, on lunch business in the downtown area, I, I'd be saying, okay, you know, we, we've been trying to hold on and hold on and hold on, but what is the future? And it seems to me that the future, at least short term, is not bright. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. You know, that, that story about the car, it really does show how how times have changed um, through producing the show today and always. I am old enough to remember when, when a lot of times, if you had mechanical aptitude, which I never had, but, you know, you, you, you there's all sorts of stuff that you could have done at home by yourself to service your car. I mean, you know, you know people and people routinely did that, again, if you had that mechanical aptitude. Nowadays, with all the computer systems and stuff, it's almost impossible I mean, it's almost impossible to, to do that. I mean, you know, you need, you need. okay, in this particular case, they say my problem was you needed a software update. Well, you're not going to be able to do that at home. Yeah, I think about as technical as I get is replacing an air filter or an oil filter, and, right. and that's it. But, yeah, anything more technical, and you've got to take it in. Right, and, and then they've, they've got the systems to test it and stuff. Because I was looking when they were talking about this parasitic drain. I got a phrase I never heard, or parasitic draw. They, there's two terms for it. But they're saying, okay, well, this is what you can do. You can you can unplug this, and then you, you, you can go through all the different systems, and you can kind of check this out to find if you have a faulty thing. Or it, it, it might be like the software update. And, again, it's just all so computerized. And it is also technical nowadays. Ah, it's an end of the era. I know there's some people who still work on their own cars, to which I say, well, that's, that's great, just not me. All right. The CDC, they're, they're a little slow to this, but the CDC has announced today fully vaccinated people can venture outdoors without masks. Now, let me back up here. For... Well, ever since really this pandemic started, the the transmission of COVID in outdoor settings has not been great. Remember, remember we heard, oh, there's going to be all you have an election. There's going to be all these super spreader events and it doesn't happen. And then remember, you, you had all the social justice protests last summer and there were. You know, people said, okay, well, this is going to be a super spreader event, and, and it never happened. And, you know, science was be- who, you know, wanted people to wear masks and social distance and all that stuff, it was gradually forced to recognize that in an outdoor setting, that the chances of COVID spreading are, are, are really not great. And now the fact that you have an increasingly large portion of the population being vaccinated, which gives them... A, a lot of protection. And, I, and what, are, what are the most recent numbers? It's like seven in a million. Your, your chances of getting COVID after you've got the vaccination are like seven in a million. And your chances of getting COVID after you've been vaccinated and being asymptomatic are like three in a million. You know, And so, I mean, the, the odds 
of you getting it are remote, and the odds of you getting it and then spreading it are even more remote, and at which point in time, I think more and more of us are kind of done with this and we're ready to live our lives. So here's what the um, CDC says. Fully vaccinated individuals, um, and that's that health officials classify as two weeks after the second dose of Pfizer or Moderna vaccines, or two weeks after the single-dose Johnson & Johnson vaccine. All right, you can unmask. If you are doing physical activities outdoors alone, well, I don't know how many people were wearing masks, you know, by themselves as they're walking, or with members of your household, like walking, running, hiking, or biking. If you're attending small outdoor gatherings, either with fully vaccinated people or a mixture of vaccinated or unvaccinated people, if you are dining in an outdoor restaurant with friends from multiple households. So they say you don't need to wear a mask outside, but there still are some some limitations that are there. Um, Small outdoor gatherings, dining outside is okay. But, you know, if you are at outdoor events, like live performances, parades, or sporting events, they still recommend masks. And then, um, you know, indoor events, they still recommend masks. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, let, let's just talk about the outdoor aspect of this, because the, the CDC is still saying, well, you know, we're even if it's an outdoor event, like attending a football game, for example, or state fair, or summer fest, or a strawberry festival, or something like that, if you're attending an outdoor event, that, that there's going to be lots of people there, parades, we think you should still wear masks. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. When you are outside, are you going to be wearing a mask anymore? Whether it's when you're playing golf, or whether you're biking or walking, or if you're walking down the street, or if you're, I don't know, attending the 4th of July parade in your local community, and you're outside, do you feel the need to wear a mask? CDC is still saying, well... If you're going to be in crowds, we think you should do it. Once you're vaccinated, what is the real-world results of this going to be? Are you still going to wear a mask when you're outside? 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you want to wear a mask, and that's your choice, that, that that's fine. But I think for more and more of us in the outdoor setting, and that's what I'm talking about now, we're, we're ready to get on with our lives. And... The CDC, I think, needs to, again, follow the science. And if they're going to say, no, if you're out at a parade, for example, and you don't wear the mask, okay, what really are the chances, especially if you've been vaccinated, that you are going to contract or you're going to spread COVID? 855-616-1620. I think this is pretty much the, the beginning of the end, if not the complete end in the real world of outdoor mask mandates. We discuss in just a moment, 855-616-1620. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Well, I, I think what the CDC has done today is is a, a reasonable step. They're saying, look, in, in many cases, you, you don't need to wear a mask outdoors. But that's if you've been vaccinated. But that's really been the case for going on a year now. I mean, there's really not been any sort of statistical evidence that demonstrates that if you are outside. I mean, remember remember all the, the, the protests and stuff, everybody walking around without masks? They're, they're never turned into super spreader events. We, we've had... 
We've had uh, people going back to baseball games, you know, full stadiums in Texas, for example. You're not hearing reports of people that are getting sick in that fashion. I mean, I think the CDC has been way behind the times and the science. Jeff, I had my first dose and will be getting my second in May. Since the inception of the virus, I've never worn a mask outside. And why would you? I see people driving in their cars by themselves and wearing a mask. Give me a break. People are getting vaccinated and it's time to move on. Jeff, I will wear a mask until Dr. Fauci says it's safe not to wear one. In Fauci, he or she trusts. Jeff, I might carry one with me, but I probably won't put one on unless a business owner, security person, or someone of authority tells me to. Well, again, I mean, right now, there's a difference in my mind between outdoors and and indoors, and I I think sooner rather than later, you're going to see an end to all all the indoor requirements as well. But right now, we're just talking about... um, outdoor things. Jeff, based on what facts is the CDC operating? Why did I get a vaccine if I can't go to a ball game with 30,000 other people and not wear a mask? Can we at least try to? If that knocks um, us quickly back to step one, then at least we know the vaccines were useless. I just don't get this. No, I I think that that's um, I think that that's a fair comment. I mean, and as somebody who believes in the vaccines, I, I think and I've been making this argument, you you need to kind of follow the science. And if the vaccines are working, why do people need to um, be continuing to wear the masks? Jeff, with the exception of October 31st, I will not be wearing a mask outside. Jeff, you should tell President Biden that he doesn't have to wear a mask outside, especially when he's by himself. Jeff, I never wore a mask outdoors. Heck no, I don't wear one inside either. Well, that's a different story. Jeff, I've never worn a mask outside. I follow rules indoors. The first thing I do when I leave a store is take it off. Yeah, that's that's what I do too. I mean, as soon as you get outside the store, boom, the, the mask is coming, you know, off, you know, period. Um, Jeff, where were people required to wear masks when social distancing? What what has changed? Well, the, the city of Milwaukee, well, the city of Milwaukee has a requirement that you are essentially If you're outside, unless you're not going to be coming into contact with people within, I believe, six feet, you you have to wear a mask. And I don't think that's been rescinded. I'm willing to be corrected. But so you're working on a job site and stuff. They expect you to wear masks. You know why? You know why? Jeff, just knock Dr. Fauci any chance you get. Why? Well, I was just reading the text. Somebody saying, oh, if Fauci says it, I'm going to believe it because I, I think while I don't, I'm not as critical of Dr. Fauci as some people are. I, I've described him as the, the medical version of Cato Kalin. He's sort of like America's house guest, and I think Dr. Fauci has done a disservice by his willingness to go on television at the drop of the hat and come up with advice a lot of times, which is contradictory to three days later. He three days earlier he had said something, and then he contradicts it later on. And I understand science changes and things like that. I just think the doctor has been grossly overexposed, and he's done himself a disservice. And I, I, I'm, I, I'm not going to necessarily depend on him to be the definitive be-all as to, as a fully vaccinated person, how I go on. Um, Jeff, there's absolutely no research that has been done that says the virus is being transmitted outdoors. None. Well, and, and again, that's kind of, I think, the point. People are looking at this and saying that, that if we're going to follow the science, you know, we, we know that the, the virus 
spreads in an indoor sort of setting when people are coming into close contact, but outdoors not so much. And then you factor in the fact that people have been vaccinated. I, I guess the bottom line is there, there's a piece in the Wall Street Journal yesterday, the time to end outdoor mask edicts. What, what I think part of the problem is, is that if you want to get people to voluntary comply, voluntarily comply with things, what you have to do is you have to explain to them why why it is a good idea and where the numbers are, what, what the statistics are that generate this particular position. And, and I understand with the mask rules, when it comes to indoors, right, there's that, that spread of that, and that's why we have it. Now, I think at some point in time, like I say, as more and more people get vaccinated, the, the question becomes, all right, how long do you have to go through this when more and more people have been vaccinated and those that haven't are then making the conscious decision that they're not going to get vaccinated and they're just going to be willing to, to take those risks? All right. At some point in time, when do we say it's just time to get back to normal? But in the outdoor setting, I don't know that the science has ever justified a lot of these outdoor mask rulings. And finally, the CDC is starting to recognize that you know people aren't paying attention to this anyways, and they seem silly by continuing to maintain some of these rules that were perhaps never justified in the first place. All right, when we come back, lots of stuff. Student loans, critical race theory, and what if you staged a show and nobody watched? Or almost nobody watched. I'll explain. We'll discuss. Stick around. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Melissa, that I'm looking at our traffic cameras mm-hmm. here, which is one of the cameras in the studio that works. Um, it's, uh, it looks like a real cluster bumble out there on the freeway, huh? It does. So what we're looking at right now, three left lanes are blocked on 4394 southbound. That's about a half mile beyond Howard Avenue. I'm looking at the traffic map right now and the cameras. It looks like a semi has overturned. I don't know if there was an, an accident, a crash of some sort, obviously, but uh, overturned. And so it's causing quite a problem, quite a backup right now. And that now. is southbound. Southbound. And there is one left lane block. On 4394 northbound because the semi is kind of in, in the median area. So it's causing problems on from northbound and southbound areas. Okay, so if you are if you are coming from the north and you, for example, you have an, a flight out of Mitchell at like four o'clock, you, you better figure out another way because you're going to be stuck in this for the foreseeable future. Yeah. I, well, I mean, hopefully they can get that cleaned up in an hour or so. But yeah, if you have a flight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this, uh, it, yeah. It's always kind of the worst case scenario. I go right to the worst case scenario, but it's kind of like, oh, I've got plenty of time. I'm uh, my, <laughs> my flight's at my flight's at four thirty. I'm leaving at two ten. No problem at all. And you're Oops. like, we'll, we'll be busy at Mitchell. Oh wait, well, <laughs> traffic. Well, th- this morning, like I say, Fran was bringing me in, and um, I, I come in southbound on I forty three from our northern counties, and they there's I, I saw this 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 roadside sign that said left lane closed four miles ahead and that's never a good sign it was road work so we actually were able to get off and uh, avoid what would have been a 30 minute delay stuck in traffic so that was good i was paying attention that's good and if you have your gps on a lot of times they will alert you on your gps and tell you to take a different route if there's something up ahead but okay 
All right, that's it. You are correct, but mm-hmm. why in the world would I have my GPS on when I'm driving from my house to work? I know how to get here. Yeah, I know that's true. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's a, no, I, I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I use the GPS. It's just I, I haven't gotten to the point where you know after twenty some <laughs> after twenty three years, I know how to get from where I live to to here. So, but yeah. it is good advice yeah, in yeah. general. Got it. <laughs> okay, we'll continue to keep you updated on what's going on on the roadways. Like I say, it looks like a a mess out there for the second time in the last few days that we've had a problem during this program all right what if you staged an event and almost nobody showed up well almost nobody is a kind of an exaggeration because the actual number is 9.85 million people okay that would be that's the final jeopardy answer 9.85 million people what is the question how many people watched the Oscars on on Sunday night on APC? Nine point eight five million people. Now you might say, well, that that's that, that's a lot of people. That that's almost ten million. Well, I guess the answer is compared to what the number of people who watched the Oscars in twenty twenty one were twenty three point six million people. So the number of people, and that had been declining o- over the years. But the number of people watching the Oscars dropped 58%. It went from roughly 23.5 million to less than 10 million. And that, of course, is consistent with what's been going on with other award show shows as well. For example, the Golden Globes, um, that was in March on NBC. That dropped uh, to 6.9 million people. That's a decline of like 62%. But, but the Oscars which charge a ton of money for advertisers. ABC was looking for as much as $2 million for a 30-second spot for the show, and um, it, and they were getting it, I, I guess. But there's just, it's not fair to say nobody. 10 million people is a lot of people. But compared to what used to happen with the Oscars, it, it's, it's nothing at all. Um, I have to be honest with you. I did not watch a second of the Oscars. It just, I, I guess I knew in the back of my mind that it was on. But Sunday night on A&E, they had a biography of the professional wrestler Rowdy Roddy Piper. That's what I watched. And you know what? I, I don't feel bad about missing the, the Oscars at all. I had seen a number of the movies because they'd been streaming. I, I saw Nomadland because it was streaming on Hulu, and I have Hulu, and I thought that was okay. I saw Mank because that was streaming, I want to say, on Netflix, and I thought that was an okay movie. I saw The Trial of the Chicago 7 because that was streaming on Netflix. I thought that was a terrible movie, just just a terrible movie that was just so historically inaccurate that I couldn't get past it. Um, Judas and the Black Messiah, which was about uh, former Black Panther, late Black Panther leader uh, Fred Hampton, and I thought that was actually a pretty good movie. So I saw those four. Maybe I saw one or two more, but I, I, I don't remember them. But I, it just, even though I watched some of those movies, I, I really, I, I had no interest at all in watching the Oscars program. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, here's what I want to discuss. I, I, obviously, we're in a weird time right now. You know, we're, we're, we're still 
in the midst of the pandemic, even though we're, we're coming out of it, it, it's socially distanced. You, you don't have th- this was staged in a in a remote fashion. You know, you didn't have all the celebrities piling into the, the one theater and everybody sitting side by side in the big red carpet stuff. You, you didn't have any of that. You didn't have the movies by and large being shown on the big screen. And, and maybe you've been back to a movie theater, but most people haven't. Most people have watched the stuff to the extent you've seen the movies on you've seen them on a streaming service the movies in i I don't know i mean nomadland like i say was okay but but most of the movies that were out there this year weren't necessarily going to be the type of movies that drew huge crowds anyways i mean there weren't the the sort of large popcorn type of movies that were going to be drawing people back to the theaters our number is 855-616-1620 that's the accident mortgage talk and text line all right this was an all-time low does it go lower from here or do people start coming back to award shows? My answer is, I don't know if it goes lower, but I don't think it's going to go a lot higher. I, I don't think you're going to see the big type of numbers you saw five years ago or, or 10 years ago. I think if they do the same number next year, even if we're out of the pandemic, I think they're going to be lucky. I think people are tuning out to these award shows in general, and I think people are tuning out to Hollywood, and there's a lot of reasons for it. What do you think? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Let's start with Mike in Mequon. Hi, Mike. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, you know, I, I'm a big movie buff. I love movies. I don't like the politics that that are on and that I, I've uh, come to expect pretty much out of these uh, Oscars and the Golden Globes. My wife, who's on the opposite side of me politically, uh, she's more liberal. Uh, she agrees with me. There's no place for that. Uh, let's let's talk about the art itself. Let's about the films itself. Uh, and enough right. of the lectures and, and the sarcastic comments, and you know, it's just. It, no, where I mean, you you, you alienate in, just from the jump. You alienate fifty percent of 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 the, the potential viewers. You know, and it's interesting, Mike, because like I say, I, I I don't I did not I did not watch a second of this, but I am told that they made the strategy this year that instead of showing film clips from like the nominated movies, they gave more time to some of the the actors or whatever to to lecture. Well, the last damn thing that I think a lot of people want to hear is some overpaid holiday. Hollywood actor or actress on Sunday night lecturing us on what he or she thinks about various social causes. I mean, show me the movies, at least. Try to entertain me. Don't lecture me. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. It's it's very upsetting. And until things change, I won't be back there. And, I, uh, and again, my wife who's more uh, left-leaning than I am, yeah. she, she didn't come to agree with me. It's just, right. and a lot of our friends, too. Right. No, I think that's no. Thank, thanks for call, Mike. Well, uh, the other thing I think that's out there is I think Hollywood has gotten a, a lot smaller. There used, and by that I mean th- there used to be big movies. You know, and it, I mean, you, you think about Oscar-winning movies in, in the past, and and it would be things like, okay, well, you, you've, you've got Platoon that won won the Oscar, and you've got, uh, okay, I'm going to go through some movies that might not, uh, Lawrence of Arabia. You know, um, you, you you had big 
big movies and you know they they they, they accomplish the godfather i mean stuff like that and, and now you have you know interesting but but smaller type of of movies that are there it's not the stuff that has has, that has popular appeal the, these are it's almost like they're making movies that are designed to appeal to the critics and appeal to the elite and i'm and i'm not knocking nomadland i mean I, nomadland i found it to be incredibly depressing it's one of these kind of things that you watch and say okay that's that that's fine, and I think Frances McDormand, the actress, I think she did a, a good job. It's a nice little movie, but is it like this? Oh my gosh, this is this Oscar caliber movie? No, and I, I hate to sound like a dinosaur, but they really they they don't make movies like they used to, and I think that's alienating and turning people off. That and the lecturing, and, and unless that changes, and I candidly, I, I don't think it's going to change. And unless it does, you're going to lose huge chunks of the audience. In addition, if you look at the numbers, as bad as the numbers were overall, they were even worse among younger viewers. I mean, the, the, just like newspapers, the, I mean, the old-fashioned newspaper that you get delivered to your doorstep every day, just like that is not relevant in the lives of almost anybody who's over the age, under the age of 40, the, the, these movies are apparently not relevant to the vast majority of people, or at least the award ceremonies, not relevant to the vast majority of people who are under the age of like 35 and stuff. They, they, they just don't care about these things. Now, admittedly, I think some people tune into the Oscars to see the, the, the spectacle. You know, we, we, we want to, you want to see the dresses. You know, who, who's wearing this or who's wearing that or who's showing up with who. And when you're doing it like we're doing it now with the socially distanced type of stuff, that, that, limits the cachet a little bit but if i were if i were the people responsible for putting on the oscars i'd be looking at these numbers and i'd be in an absolute panic and if i were abc i'd be in even greater panic because when you have this fewer people comparatively watching this thing how are you going to sell this to sponsors you know next year jeff in fox point jeff you're on wtmj hey jeff i could go on and on about this but i think the two biggest things they could do to help their ratings are to one, cut the amount of nominees they have in half, and then two, um, stop being so concerned with being highbrow um, and maybe try and nominate more movies that people will actually go see in the theaters or that they'll be interested in. Right, that, 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 that people actually watch as opposed to the... What was the one... What was the one that won last year? It was some foreign language movie that nobody had ever like Parasite or something. I I I I never I never yeah. saw it. I it, I think it might have been the first Oscar winning movie that I I never saw and never had any interest in seeing. And it's like, how are you going to attract people when you when you pick the most obscure movie possible and say, well, this kind of appeals to all of us elites out here, and nobody's ever seen it. I mean, it's you know, at some point in time, you got to recognize that you're doing entertainment, even if it's entertainment. For for unwashed masses like you and me. Yeah, and this is get off my lawn, but if I were them, <laughs> I would go back and I would look at the years like 81 through 83 when they had movies up like Chariots of Fire yeah. and Raiders of the Last Ark and and see if they could make things a little more like like that like those years. Yeah, no, thanks for calling. And, and or right, I, it's and again, I, I'm with you. It's kind of like you know, get off my lawn. I just um, I just ordered a book about like the, the mid '70s and some of the movies, but the, the Chinatown, some of these great movies that are out there. And and again, I 
the, the stuff that, that's there, the, these movies that I watched this year that were nominated, some good performances, and you know, I like Mank. They were they were relatively harmless, but you don't go, wow, this is something that you know people are going to rush to see or rush to see three or four times. Jeff, I turned the Oscars off after 52 seconds. I couldn't take the political spin rhetoric. In my mind, there's just such a disconnect between actors and actresses and the common folks in the U.S. I think there's an element of that. Jeff, I was watching the awards, then switched to watch a, a movie they mentioned on the show Better Days. It was subtitled and very good. The Father was very good, too. That's the one that Anthony Hopkins won the award for. Jeff, you, you need a movie that people want to watch, like the Titanic again. Well, there's an element of that. Uh, Jeff, it seems unrealistic to compare 2021 to other years, as people didn't go to the movies. The viewership will gradually increase. Well, I, I don't know. It, it's going to go up from from where it was this year because it, it can't go down. But as far as as far as you know, people didn't go to movies. In one sense, the movies that were nominated were more accessible now than at any time in in the future. You didn't have to go to the movie. You didn't have to physically go to the movies. You could sit in your living room and if you stream Hulu, you you could see Nomadland. If you have Netflix, you could watch the the Chicago Seven movie. You could watch the Black Panther, the uh, the movie about the the Black Panthers and Fred Hampton. You you could watch that. You could watch Mank. So I'm not sure. I y- yes, it's true. People weren't going to movies. But at the same time, you you could it was easier to see movies this year in many respects than it's ever been because you could do it from our living room and your living room. And candidly, I don't think that's I don't think that's going to change. I think that the business model for the foreseeable future is going to be movies put out in movie theaters. But at the same time, within a very narrow window, if not the same day, they're going to be um, they're, they're going to be you know shown. Jeff, I also watched the Rowdy Roddy Piper documentary on A&E. It was better than any award show ever. I think they've gotten way too political on those shows. The people that put them on live in a completely different world with me uh, from me with their money and their various egos. There is something to be said about that. Will the numbers go up from next year? For next year, my guess is they're going to go up, just because I don't think they can go much further down. Once you hit bottom, you got no way to go but up. Will they go up dramatically? Time will tell. All right. When we come back, we're going to find out what John and Melissa and Greg have on their minds for Wisconsin's afternoon news. Please stick around.